This week on FX Guide TV. We look at the new color profiles by Technicolor for the Canon range of SLR cameras. This and more coming up next. Hello and welcome to FX Guide TV. At the end of April, Technicolor released a new workflow for the Canon SLR cameras when shooting video. Now normally we might just cover this on the RC podcast, but as this is such a visual thing, we decided to give you a special FX Guide TV episode. The Canon 5D is now so popular that even if you are just in post, you are likely to be asked about how effective the Technicolor look is and how to shoot to get the most out of these cameras, especially when grading and keying. So here with all the answers is Mike Seymour. Thanks, Ange. Well, we've been doing some hits of video lately on FX Guide about production and cameras and stuff, and this one's particularly relevant even if you're in post-production, because understanding how the cameras are operating, and particularly how they're producing the files, is becoming increasingly important. Now, at the end of April, there was a lot of interest when Technicolor published a new sort of look, effectively, for the 5Ds and, in this case, the 7Ds. I'm going to come to that in a second, but let's just set up what's actually happening. These cameras obviously shoot raw, um, but when they're shooting in video mode, they're not in any way shooting raw, they're shooting an image that gets converted into an 8-bit baked-in uh, file. And as such, any look that you would apply, which would be, you know, able to be affected normally on a raw image, can't be affected when we go to video. So, for example, here in picture styles, I have standard and uh, monochrome, portrait, landscape, neutral. All of these are just styles that effectively change the look of what we're viewing. So for example, right now I'm on standard. Now if you're going to output this directly to the internet or show it to someone immediately out of the camera or whatever, then this is a totally fine setting. It crushes the blacks, it makes the image look kind of nice and contrasty, it works really well. Um, but if I'm intending to do any post-production work on it, we don't want this. And in addition to this picture style as a sort of a base level, there's a second set of detail settings underneath that. So for example, on standard I can then go to uh, these four settings of sharpness, contrast, saturation and colour tone. So we have sort of two sets of things going on here. Now why don't we want these set like this for post-production? Well, those eight bits are all we have and that's not much room for grading. So if we've already crushed the blacks, we can't get any of that information back in post-production. If we've already put sharpening on, then we can't unsharpen the image, which you'll see is very important when it comes to things like green screen work. So a little while ago, various people sort of experimented with coming out with things for that. Now there are some styles that you can load, but they were pretty much just incomprehensible to man to make, and the ones that were produced and available on the net were sort of basically produced by individuals working off their own bat. So they didn't tend to be very popular, and quite frankly having tried to use some of them and make some of them, I can tell you they were pretty hard to set up. But Technicolors is one that is relatively easy. Well before I get to that loading up Technicolor one, I want to show you what you can do without having to load anything new into the camera, just based on what's there already. And here we're going to quote Stu Mashowitz, a good friend of FX Guides, who came up with some settings, which he jokingly referred to on Prolos.com, as how to flatten your 5D. And he builds these basically, and, and there's no software need to be loaded, you just dial up neutral. And once you dial up neutral on the camera, you've got a fairly flat grade as far as Canon is concerned. But if you then press the info button, you can go down and now adjust the detail settings. And this is where the magic really happens. In Stu's recommendations, you take sharpness all the way down to zero. In fact, this, this scale is a little confusing because it's one to seven on sharpness, then everything else actually has its 
zero at the midpoint. So let's describe it in terms of where the sliders are. It's hard over against the left on sharpness, hard over against the left on minus four on contrast, minus two on saturation, and uh, zero on color tone. Okay, so these are what I call the stew settings. And as you can see, the image looks kind of flat. Now don't worry, it's meant to look flat. It's meant to look like this, so we've got room to grade. In fact, if you look at this as we will in a second, on a histogram, you've basically not got anything slamming against the edges. You've got, you know, a really nice, good, sensible use of those eight bits. And this will allow you to have the latitude uh, for grading. Now this is still using the neutral of the camera, so the look that's coming out is just an adjustment of what's on the camera. What Technicolor has done is take this one more step. Technicolor has actually created effectively a log curve for the 5D. Okay, now what we're looking at is the same settings on the camera, same everything. We've now gone to a loaded up cine style look generated by Technicolor, actually in cooperation with Canon. Now what we're seeing here is a logarithmic file and as long as you've got EOS Utility 2.6 or later you can load this on your camera. Now you won't brick your camera, this is all as I say done with Canon. You just plug your PC or Mac into your actual camera and upload with the EOS Utility and then this is available just like neutral or monochrome is to dial up. And then in fact Technicolor recommend you have exactly the same settings that Stu had which is all the way over the left, all the way over the left, minus two and zero. So that's what we're looking at right now. And this image will seem even flatter than we saw a moment ago, but that's fine because it's pretty much a log image. Now what you wanna do if you wanna grade with this is work with this file or convert it through a LUT to then grade with and, and play with. Now the LUT that you would be needing for this is also available from Technicolor's website. And the trick here is how you wanna use it. If you're using it in After Effects or some of those other programs, you know, it's not immediately obvious to some people how you use LUTs, but a good way to try it out if you're not used to LUTs is download LUT Buddy. This is something that uh, has been developed by the guys at uh, Red Giant and in fact comes from Stu's old company, ironically. So LUT Buddy is something that I've loaded up here in Final Cut Pro and then I've added in, as you can here through the uh, options, the LUT that I need, which is the one I've downloaded, and now I can apply that LUT to this footage and now I've got the same footage of me, but now with the LUT applied over the top of it. And as you can see, it's getting it back to where we were before. Okay, so let's go back now to what I'm seeing in the camera. So this is the image of me. And the reason that we would wanna go this way with the Pana, uh, with the Technicolor LUT is that what we're doing is we're using those eight bits more intelligently effectively. And so we're gonna get not only really good stuff with highlights, but also we're gonna get more detail in the blacks because we're basically packing a better distribution of stuff into our eight bits. Now, how does this all work when we're doing visual effects work? Well, let's have a look at that now over in Flame. Okay, so I've brought in some green screen footage uh, that we shot, and this is the standard settings. Now, this is in Flame, but you don't really need to worry about. It's just a great device for playing back and reviewing stuff. So this is um, a model, and she's on green and blue screen, and this is the standard settings. So this looks good to the eye of somebody that's not familiar with visual effects, not familiar with post particularly. Um, if we were to zoom in on this, you can see that there are all sort of issues with doing standard when it comes to technical work, not least of which is that the blacks here are crushed. You can see there's a white outline on his shoulder. There's also aliasing artifacts. There's a bunch of stuff because this is very much a baked in look. Um, and in fact, if I go into a color corrector, and the reason I'm doing that is just to show you a histogram, you'll see it's pretty much slammed left and right. And depending on where we are in the shot, um, you can see that uh, these blacks are very, very dark and, uh, you know, 
it's a it's a solid grade but it's really got nowhere to go from there okay now if we look at Stu's settings now Stu's settings I don't forget are based on neutral and all he's done is he's turned down the settings and of course here in blue and green screen they're not very saturated which is fine um, but if we actually look at that in a color corrector you'll see that uh, there is actually more room to move he hasn't crushed it as much and also you can just tell from the image right that uh, she doesn't oops sorry she doesn't look like she has um, lost all the detail in the black top and we're not seeing the same ringing that we're seeing uh, on the green screen or even on the blue screen as we were seeing on the previous one now yeah there's spill and stuff but all of that's just normal visual effects stuff what we're talking about is really just how it is and also you'll notice that there isn't the same aliasing problems we saw with the hair and it's holding up pretty well now that's the stew settings if we go to basically loading up the log cine style with the settings that are recommended by uh, Technicolor which by the way are the same settings as stew you get this so this is the recommended uh, settings from Technicolor now I should point out this is a log file and we're looking at it without converting it through their LUT and so it looks super flat and in fact um, you're getting the benefit of the stew settings which is basically winding out those uh, settings on the camera and the log space of what's going on inside the uh, camera. Now I can put that through a LUT and uh, if I wanted to and if I could find the LUTs that would be good. There we go. And if I put it through a LUT I would get something that obviously looks saturated again though in this case I'd probably uh, change the gamma down to something like this but you can see that I'm getting back to something that looks punchy. So it's not as if I can't get to something that looks like the original standard punchy but of course the advantage is that I have control over that. I have control on this and what's going on. But you can actually see that there's a section down here in the zero uh, section of uh, what's going on with, um, uh, with the, the LUT. Now that's the whites there, this is the blacks here. And there's actually a little section down here where um, what's happening with histogram, which is probably a bit easy to see here if I go into the color corrector, because its histogram is a little more obvious. You can see this little gap just here down the bottom. And this is um, a really interesting thing that I'm going to pick up with in a moment when I speak to uh, Joshua from Technicolor. Um, but this is something that I've got a little bit of a problem with myself. And uh, I'm not saying that it's ghastly. Um, far be it from me to criticize. But if we just were to draw this quickly for you to explain what I'm talking about, we only have the original eight bits. That's all we're, we're given. So in the uh, model where we've got the one that's coming from standard, it's got nothing to do with Technicolor, nothing to do with Stu. They're effectively um, sort of crushing the blacks by moving this in and really spreading it out. And so you would sort of get something that maybe looked like this. And the point is that there's no space or headroom uh, on no sort of toe and shoulder. Now, of course, this isn't the case with this one. So that would be like um, standard. But there's contrast around in and there's saturation around in, but there's also sharpness and a bunch of things we don't want. In the stew settings, what we tend to get is something that's more evenly distributed without the, um, without the problem of the sharpness. Um, so that would be stew's model, and that is a great model to work. In fact, I, I use that and I shoot with that. Okay, so what are we getting off here with the stew settings, as it were, outside the uh, camera, or rather on the back of the camera, and loading up the cine style? In other words, the recommended Technicolor things. Well, what we're getting is something that actually is a bit like uh, this. Now, this moving in here is something that I'm not 100% with because I only have the 8 bits. And so the more that I 
sort of only use this much of it, the kind of worse off I am because at some point, if I was to exaggerate it, if you just had this, as soon as you start stretching that out, which is what I just did in a second in the LUT to make it look a bit more like this, I'm going to take what is not many sort of bits and stretch them. And that's exactly when banding and problems come in. So I don't have a problem with the Technicolor one. I think it's really good. I don't think it's the ultimate solution. And of course, it's still constrained by the fact that Canon makes it eight bits. And Canon also, of course, uh, control, as you'll hear in a minute, when Technicolor can actually get to the file in the technological process. Now, make no bones about it, where Technicolor gets to in the technological process of processing the chip to output on your camera is further than anyone else in the world is getting. They have more access than any other third party. Stu has no access to that because he's not loading anything in the camera. Other people have made things that you load in the camera, but they're just using Canon's API. Technicolor is, is getting further than anyone. It's just not getting as far as I think either Technicolor or I or other people like me would like. So my recommendation is Cine style without maybe, you know, as like a sort of a base setting is like this. This is kind of um, halfway between. So if I just to draw on this for a second, what we have in this version is we don't have um, the settings of, we have the cine style loaded, so that's cine style, but we're actually then loading it with uh, not as hard a set of values on the back of the camera. As a consequence, you're getting an image that I think uh, is a better compromise for everyday use. So this is effectively what uh, Jason Wingrove, for example, and I have both been kind of doing, which is not pushing quite as hard uh, on having no sharpness whatsoever and, and nothing else uh, going on. Because quite frankly, you're going to have to on the cine style one. So let's look at cine style here for a second. This is cine style here. You're going to get a softer image, right? There is no sharpening on this. And a little bit of sharpening is actually what we want. So in addition to any color correction, like putting this here through a LUT, which um, you know, is completely a reasonable thing to do, I'm still going to want to sharpen because I'm still soft when I go through that LUT. So I actually like to generally s shoot with a little bit of sharpness wound on. That being said, it's dangerous because, as you can see on green screen, I am still getting some of that artifacting. So the bottom line recommendation from us is to, if you're shooting normally to grade, you're probably better off having the cine style loaded and uh, either running it as recommended or running it with maybe a little bit of sharpness and not quite as hard as before. You're going to get a nicer picture out. But if you're doing effects work, then you're better off going for the full cine style approach and the cine style approach uh, with the settings as they recommend, which by the way is the same as Stu's. Okay, but that's all our opinions on testing this and having a look at it here um, and with the stuff that we've done. We've also got the luxury of actually having been able to catch up with Joshua Pines. Now, Joshua is actually the Vice President of Imaging or R&D at Technicolor. And so um, we actually spoke to him at uh, Cinegear and actually ran through some of these issues with him. Firstly, congratulations on what I think is a really great contribution to this uh, interesting part of cinematography in terms of trying to get more professional image out of the SLRs. Um, what was your aim going in? Um, this was sort of a purely defensive move initially. Uh, we hail from the division of Technicolor that does digital intermediate, which is uh, color correction and post-production on motion pictures. Um, most of which are shot on film, uh, now more and more are being shot digitally. 
And so we're doing these, you know, A-list movies and stuff, and the DPs are going out, or second unit, and they're beginning to shoot shots on these Canon SLR cameras, and you insert shots or maybe a whole sequence, and then dumping the stuff on us and say, intercut these and make them match and everything else. And it's very difficult. All the work we do for digital intermediate is mostly done in logarithmic space. It's a holdover from the good old days of film. We love film. And the um, higher grade digital acquisition cameras all pretty much have a log output for professional level work. So trying to get the Rec. 709 video space that comes out of the Canon SLRs to intercut is very, very difficult. And we found ourselves saying over and over, if only we could get a log signal out of the camera, if only we could get a log signal out of the camera. Uh, fortunately, there were some conversations between Canon and Technicolor that after about 40 lawyer emails back and forth and a bunch of NDAs, we were able to work with the engineers at Canon. And they opened up the stuff going on inside just enough so we could get in there and actually put a true log signal in there. So, so, so the where are you in the pipeline on the true log signal? Like, are you processing, presumably upstream of the eight bits being? Yes, absolutely. So are yeah. you doing? But not, not as far upstream as we'd like to be. And there's more work and negotiation going on to see how far up we can get that. As I understand it, you're actually at a point in cooperation with Canon that is superior to what I could do if I was using the standalone app that allows me to create these things and upload them to the camera. Well, that's sort of initially how we started was uh, we started talking to Canon. They said, oh, here, you can use the standard app and do whatever you want. And we got up into the limitation that we were always fighting against some internal Rec. 709 signal processing going on. And we said, we want to be there. We want to be able to alter the signal processing at that point. And finally, we were able to figure out a way to do it that doesn't require any new firmware to be downloaded to the camera. That's the other thing, is probably for us to get even further upstream, it's going to require you know, firmware upgrades to the physical cameras. So this is, with the standard cameras that are out there now, this, uh, this picture style, which has been dubbed Cine-style by some marketing people, uh, it can be easily downloaded into the camera. And just tell me how people should view the LUT that's also provided as part of that package, because obviously you've, you've recorded in Cine-style, which is giving you the log output, and then you, you provide a, a LUT, basically it's yeah. like a... It's an, it's an S-curve, uh, and this there's been, I, I think, a little bit of misunderstanding that uh, the log signal coming out uh, by the way, it's a regular signal, uh, regular images. You can use the picture files in any post-production software that you want. You're not tied into any specific products or anything. Um, the log signal is a very, very flat signal. It does not look pleasing by itself. It is meant to be color corrected. And rather than just taking the log signal and turning the knobs and trying to get it to look good, uh, we always recommend doing that color correction process through a viewing lot all the way at the end. That traditionally is an S-curve. It sort of will, you know, has a toe and a shoulder and will flatten out, roll off the, the highlights and, and the shadows, hopefully in a pleasing way. We're not saying, oh, this is the only one to use. It was provided so that if you shoot with the CineStyle and you get the log signal and you view it through that S-curve, you'll get something that looks fairly normal and pleasing and then but you have more range in that log signal that you're that's out of the camera so that's a really good place to do the color correction. Yeah so in fact I'd want to color correct on the log file. You want to color correct on the log file and then just have this S curve at the very very end. 
So in terms of how it works inside the camera, obviously we load it up with the uh, utility and then you're outputting the, the file, but you are still hitting the same limitations that the camera inherently has and in that it's an 8-bit file and it's compressed. Yeah, the, the questions when we uh, were showing this at NAB, which was before it was released, but the questions were, it was really, really helpful, by the way, having real users of the camera come up and, and without, before they had tried it, asking the questions and learning about how they wanted to use the cameras and stuff. So one of the questions was, oh, did you increase the dynamic range of the sensor? No. We you know, can't magically wave a wand and increase the dynamic range of the sensor. We didn't change the laws of physics. Um, the uh, compression scheme that's used when it's recorded to the cards, no, we have no control over that. We were able to get into a place in the middle where the image processing is being done to the signal that we were able to say, hey, Here's the thing, if, we're, if, if you're shooting um, professional motion picture work and they've spent hours and hundreds of thousands of dollars or so, you know, building a gorgeous set and lighting it, you want to walk away from that shoot with as much information from what was on that set as possible. You don't want to walk away with, okay, well, I got exactly what I want because directors and DPs and everyone changes their mind and in two weeks they're going to say, I want it brighter, I want it darker. And if you, haven't, if you don't have that extra latitude, you're screwed. So I don't know if I can say the word screwed on, your, you on your venue. Um, so, I mean, the idea is like, all we want to do is say, give me every last bit of information that's on that sensor that, that, that we can get out of the camera, and we're going to put it in this logarithmic format for reasons I can explain that really easily. Log is the only encoding that will give you an equal number of steps per stop. Yeah. So, so that way, if we want to take all the stuff and we'll defer the decision about, oh, we want, we're more interested in the shadow detail or the highlight detail, so logarithmic spreads it out evenly over the full dynamic range. And we're all used to using log files, and so it's going to yeah. cut better with, say, an ARRI workflow that's maybe running in parallel. Yes, we believe that this is a step towards, uh, definitely a big step towards intercutability with, uh, with, with other acquisition devices. So just really quickly, what is it not doing? Is it doing anything to sharpness or softness or noise reduction or any other things? Uh, loaded question. Um, it currently, we have no access to the sharpening algorithms or that as a matter of fact, even though we, some of us would have liked to have locked the sliders, the user control sliders in positions that we think are perfect, we were unable to do that. Those types of things would actually require firmware changes. We, you know, we, as I said, this thing will download into the current, all the current cameras that are out there. So the user, for better or worse, still has the control over the, the sharpness sliders and stuff, though when you download it from the website, we have a recommended settings based on some of our research and also talking with a lot of uh, professional DPs and uh, folks who have uh, used this camera extensively for visual effects work in terms of what would be most useful for them. We want to get the cleanest signal out of it. We don't want anything artificial in there, so we try to find... Uh, Find the thing. I mean, normally that would be turning absolutely everything down to minimum, everything. But we found, and this has been very, uh, um, um, what's the word? Verified. Uh, yeah, very or corroborated by talking to some people out there that if you turn everything all the way down to zero, that the compression algorithms do some nasty things. So you do have to pick it up a little bit. So, uh, but um, though we have the recommended settings, they're published. Um, Nope, nothing with uh, as I you know with with the sharpening algorithms or or stuff like that. The compression scheme is built into how they they load the stuff down to the card. As a matter of fact, 
we did all of our testing coming out of the uh, HDMI output uh, from the camera. Uh, so it's a live feed. Um, and this is the type of thing we do with our normal, um, uh, this is our onset color correction utility. It's not for sale. It's a system that if Technicolor is doing the digital intermediate and the dailies, we provide this for onset work. Um, and it allows from a tethered camera um, that you can do live, you know, sort of set looks, see how much latitude you have by taking a picture, printing it up, printing it down, seeing, you know, seeing how much latitude you have. We don't burn this in. We just um, we record the metadata of what the color correction is, and then it can be applied downstream. But um, this HDMI port is, uh, is is there's no compression coming out of there in terms of the 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 um, the codecs that are used for when you're recording on the card. So the camera itself is capable of putting out a, 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 a cleaner signal. Um, so all of those, those things are, are you know, Canon proprietary. Uh, we are talking with them. Maybe some future work will be able to uh, get this type of work and this type of signal in further upstream where we think we would have be able, be able to have some effect on the, on the noise floor. Well, thanks for talking to us. Really appreciate it. Congratulations. Sure. Well, there's one more thing to consider, which is highlight tone priority. Now, this is a setting on the camera. In fact, if you punch up the menus and go over to the function settings, it's uh, under function number two, uh, which is the second last thing on, on my menus, and under function two, which is called image. If you just hit that up, the third menu is highlight tone priority. And if you're a stills photographer, you'd probably recommend having this set to disabled. And the reason is it doesn't affect your RAW file. It's only going to bake in basically one stop of underexposure to your JPEG. And the idea here is it's trying to basically protect your highlights by forcing this extra stop into your workflow. So what was 100 as your lowest ISO now becomes 200. 100 is no longer an option that's available. So for stills, it doesn't make so much sense because I don't need it in RAW and I don't want my JPEG to have it baked in and cause a sort of mismatch. But in video, you don't have that luxury because as I said at the outset, you don't have RAW. And so here, we would highly recommend using it especially if you're outdoors and we're here today with all the birds and stuff. If you're shooting outside and you've got um, highlights and stuff, having that highlight priority, giving you that extra stop of protection really helps. And what it does is it non-linearly maps that into your 8-bit piece of video. So it actually gives you a, like a nice sort of round off into the highlights that we're actually not seeing without it. So when shooting, even though Technicolor I think, I think recommends not having it, we'd say when shooting video outdoors in particular, it's a great idea to have it on. And I bake that into these user settings. So there's C1, C2, C3. I have C1 as the stew setting. C2 actually is my stills setup, how I like to shoot my stills. And then C3 I have set with cine style. And of course, then I would have not only all that stuff, but all the things like a 150th shutter, because I tend to shoot 25 frames or 24 frames a second. It gives me a nice 180 degree shutter. All of those sort of video settings are all there. So no matter when somebody plays with your camera or if you get stuck in the field, you can always hit C1 or C2 and know exactly where you are to start shooting successfully. Well, that's it. I hope you'll uh, explore these. Huge uh, points to Technicolor for doing this. There's actually more coming from Technicolor. We're really looking forward to seeing that in the future. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for that, guys. And we shoot a lot of our location work on the 5D and 7D. And I know a lot of you also love the Canon SLRs. Well, that's it for this week. And if you like this episode, you might also want to tune in to our regular audio-only RC podcast, where Mike and Jason explore all the aspects of digital cinematography, especially the geeky stuff. Until next time, I'm Angie Dale. See ya.
For more industry news, in-depth features, podcasts and forums, check out fxguide.com. And for visual effects training, check out fxphd.com.